This is Laura Deirdre with the Becker's Ambulatory Surgery Center's podcast. I'm thrilled today to be joined by Dr. Raj Sharma, owner of Digestive Health Associates and Dr. Gut Happiness. Dr. Sharma, it's a pleasure to have you on the podcast today. Oh, it's been a pleasure, Laura. Thank you so much for having me here. Now, I know we've got a lot to talk about. You recently had a private equity transaction and with some of the other companies that you have as well. I'm interested in knowing more about them. But before we dive into that discussion, can you tell us a little bit more about yourself and your background? Absolutely. Well, I'm a gastroenterologist in private practice uh, uh, since 2012. I have worked and lived in Indiana for about 10 years. And um, recently I sold my practice to a private equity group called One GI, you know, Dr. Michael Dragutsky and then Steve Melosevsky. Uh, they were my associates in the transaction. Uh, now I'm transitioning, transitioning to a different uh, state, warmer Florida, and you know, I want to go south and um, hoping to um, build another practice in Florida and then hopefully, you know, build into a, a powerhouse for, for GI, a futuristic practice. So that's my background in a, you know, in, in a nutshell from GI standpoint, but uh, I also uh, have a brand called Dr. Gut Happiness which is a consumer facing uh, public education and media brand. So we actually are creating some very high quality content for the consumer market across the world. And uh, I'm kind of focused on that as I'm in transition phase from my uh, deal in Indiana and until I start my Florida practice again. Fascinating. So you've got a lot of things going on, even though you're transitioning into the new practice. And when you say you're building a futuristic practice in Florida, what does that mean? What does that really look like? Absolutely, Laura. Uh, you know, traditionally, GIs are, again, I, I want to give kudos to my, my peeps. We are very friendly, we have good personalities, and we are pretty smart. You know, we are, we are innovators. GI is a field just by virtue of personality, we attract, we attract more innovation and we are early adapters of technology and anything new and cool. So uh, when I when I have seen the history of the way things have transitioned in the world of GI and the personality of uh, our GIs, at the same time, shift in the consumer behavior, patient behavior, and their, their yearning and thirst for education and engagement. I wanted to use technology to the max to engage with the consumers one-on-one. You know, long gone are the days when you won't even talk to the patient and, uh, you know, just do your thing, you know, and do your scope. And okay, now you have to, especially in prior practice, you have to go extra mile to make sure they're satisfied, they're, you know, they're engaged because as you know, they're evaluating you in the waiting area. They're looking at everything, especially the millennials. They are giving Google reviews and all the reviews based on even how the secretary is. So my goal is to create a very, very immersive gastroenterology practice where I'll be using AR, VR, AI, and then cloud-based platforms to keep my patients and my consumers engaged with my practice so that they are constantly nudged and they're constantly reminded of our brand. We are no different than McDonald's and Burger King or any other brand out there. Physicians, physician services are nothing more than consumable service lines. You know, we are nothing more than Coca-Cola or other brands. So we have to constantly 
engage with the consumers. We have to have a face to the practice. We have to have a personality to the practice. So that's why the brand I'm gonna create will do that for consumers across the state, across the country and internationally too. Because with all the, the COVID related technology boom and technology coming to our fingertips and becoming more affordable, it would be a sin will be a sin not to use technology in your practice and try to maximize the efficiency of the practice and the operations and making sure that the, uh, the end consumer of your service line, which is your patient, feels fully engaged. And they're also able to access your services in a very savvy manner, you know, minimizing papers and just using cloud and other interactive platforms so that they can get hold of you and your office and your services faster. So that's my goal is to make this a Starbucks experience. You come to a practice, you know, you're gonna place your order and you're gonna be served like Starbucks. I mean, we, we, we may or may not serve coffee, maybe I put Starbucks in my office. Well, that's so exciting to hear. Just so many different uh, things that you're doing in really a way to make the patient experience really top notch. I think I agree, as you were mentioning, you know, what people want within their um, practice and their healthcare experience. They're definitely taking more time and effort to go out and seek out the providers that make the most sense for them that can not only provide great care, but can do it in a convenient, easy way for them and, and really makes them feel like they are the center of their healthcare universe, which is awesome. Um, what are some of the top two or three trends that you're following most closely in healthcare today, especially as you're entering just this new, exciting and innovative phase of your own career? You know, uh, the, the trends, you know, the first of all is using AI, v, AI, VR, and AR. You know, I'm following those trends as to how I can use, you know, these technologies to not only improve my practice of medicine and improve my, uh, my I don't know, my detection rate, uh, making sure that the clinical service is excellent. And at the same time, how to immerse the patients in this immersive experience with my practice. So I'm following technology very closely. Secondly, I'm also very closely following any new healthcare technology companies which are coming up, which can make our life easy, which can make our practice more profitable, which as you know, I mean, we all have to work and we need to get paid. Uh, make the practice profitable, the endoscopy center profitable, the hospital profitable. Like, you know, be able to, uh, we should be able to track, we should be able to track the flow of the patient through a practice and get data analytics as to what are the bottlenecks. We need to have everything streamlined. Things do not work well if nothing is streamlined. So we need to be able to track the flow of the patient and look at our revenue per minute and revenue per hour as to what is stopping us from hitting those numbers. We need to look at those bottlenecks. We can no longer close our eyes and say, okay, I'm not gonna see anything. Things will just fall into place because, you know, yes, universe does have random chaos and things will fall into place, but I rather control that chaos and measure the chaos because there's always a rhythm to the chaos. Once you figure the rhythm out, we can improve our efficiency. So that's the key. The need of the century and the next millennium is efficiency. We need to measure our workflow, our work product. And then lastly, staffing issues. You know, I'm following the staffing issue trends across the country. I have many friends in proud practices. And then I also, you know, work in some university settings too. And I see that access to good quality, efficient medical staff is becoming difficult, you know, with the, with the, with the vaccination mandates and then with the COVID outbreaks and then 
locums companies, you know, paying people more to travel. So all this has created a staff shortage. And because of that, there's a need to control that factor for your office, you know, that staffing need. And at the same time, this is also time to pause and think as to how can you make this efficient? Do you really need to have six staff members on site? Or can you have three off three on site and three off site, which are working in your cloud system, still getting the stuff done using technology, still filing records, making patient phone calls through the cloud, but everything is streamlined, but you have less exposure to COVID type situation in the office. Number two, it minimizes your need for having a big office space. But number three, now you're using remote technologies and having a remote working crew. I feel the next, next millennium gonna see people working from home. And we actually ran this uh, better testing model in Indiana in my clinic. We ran a virtual clinic where I just had one person on site and I had six crews working remotely in my cloud EMR system. I actually dropped my overhead by 35%. And I was streamlined like this, no tomorrow. Everything was measured, everything was captured. And every evening I would look at the report as to you know, employee one, two, three, four, five, six, what kind of work products they achieved and what they did and what's pending the work baskets for next day. So analysis of data is critical. And us GIs, we need to spend at least half an hour to one hour a day to measure the productivity of our clinic. Because if you don't do that, if you don't measure it, nobody else will do because you are writing the, the check, right? You are signing the check to pay people and other people will sign the check on the back because they make the deposit. That's a really excellent point and impressive to see how you were able to pivot your practice to the virtual setting and be so efficient and so effective. Obviously, excuse me, obviously the technology that you had in place was super helpful in being able to do that. How did you also create that culture to make sure that, you know, the people working with you and for you were being so productive, you could trust them to do what they were doing, and then they knew what they were responsible and accountable for so that they could move the business forward? Absolutely. You know, one thing I do is uh, I, I always... I always try to bring people uh, into my, my ecosystem who are motivated, right? First, of, first thing is, does not matter where the person lives, as long as they work with you in your ecosystem, they have to be accountable and they need to be proud. So we actually have a team, which is a pyramid uh, operation. So we have multiple pyramids. So we have one person in charge of pyramid, then there's three people underneath who are reporting to the person above. And uh, so there is a feedback loop where these three employees would report to their manager and the manager would report to general manager. So by doing so, we made them accountable. But we also made sure we looked at these people's experience. And more and more as days go by, uh, in my practice, we are seeking talent, which is more tech savvy. We want people who have knowledge of the computer, Excel sheets and words, and that should be minimum. I think this is a call for awakening for all the GIs out there and all the healthy executives out there. You know, we need to have teams with the tech savvy because otherwise you cannot use tech very well in your office. And with this EMR system these days, we have like GMAT Gastro and uh, uh, Epic and Cerner and then uh, eClinical Works, they all have more capabilities. So the person or the persons you hire for your organization, they should have the basic knowledge of functioning in the EMR system. And at the same time, measuring their work 
and uh, find a way to log maybe on Excel sheet what work they're doing today. Perhaps they open two windows and this is the work product one through 10. Like for example, they have to do 10 things today. They have to uh, you know, fax records. They have to file 20 patient charts. Uh, they have to send 20 tasks to Dr. Sharma or to Dr. XYZ. So that work should be the work product they have to deliver that day so that they should just stay focused on, on getting the work done and then log that in a, in a sheet somewhere where they put a check mark next to it that's done, 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 done. This way they know the work is done. And if they have to put some work over to somebody else or the next day, et cetera, now that paper or not paper, sorry, the Excel sheet could sit in a shared folder where the next person could pick up and say, okay, this is what the work that was left behind. So instead of passing sticky notes, as you know, which is a culture, which I hate, by the way, I hate sticky notes or paper slip or back of a receipt from McDonald's. Hey, I got my burgers, but also I got to send this record to somebody. Instead of that, if you go to a more measurable electronic method to track the workflow, the pending work, the work that was done, and that gets passed on electronically to the next person through the cloud and through technology, we can decrease the risk of medical errors too, because this way nobody drops the baton because the baton is electronic now. At the same time, because more efficient and accountable, because now you know if something was not done and there's a flag next, so we know who was doing that job yesterday. So that raises accountability and efficiency. And then you know those kind of those kind of uh, traits they do tend to uh, move into your daily life and then other activities you do, where you just become more efficient. And once you hold people accountable and reward them for efficiency too, like for me, I'm a big Starbucks guy. So Starbucks gonna, you know, they have to give me some royalty for saying this, but I reward my employees with Starbucks cards or with XYZ cards if they do a good job and if they consistently meet the quality standards. And also they're keeping up on the, on the skills. I always make sure that people that work with me, they go online and get a Microsoft certificate or get this certificate so that I know they're, constantly enhancing their skills because the new workforce for the future is going to be tech savvy. They have to be tech savvy because there's so much tech that's coming our way and we need to make sure they keep up on their skills. Hence, they got to be a, a model where they're turning some type of a tech training to their manager every six to eight weeks saying, listen, hey, I just got certified in Excel or Word. I think those skill sets will make anybody attractive to work with me and then anybody else who wants to innovate the practice, the technology. That's a really great point and, you know, very much forward looking. What are you most excited about right now? What makes you nervous? Right now, the one thing which I'm very happy about, thank God, is private equity. Thank God. Oh my God. Timing was perfect for me when they came into my life. Uh, now, now we have access to capital, right? One thing, Laura, which always bothered me, always bothered me was, you know, for GIs and other practices, unlike other businesses, we really don't have a very clear legacy planning, right? Normally you'll have a nice doctor who'll come to an area, live there for 20, 30 years, scope half the town or the entire town. And then when they're done, they close the shop and they go. So now that's a wasted opportunity to pass on A, a legacy, and B, cash on the equity and the goodwill of the practice. And that always bothered me. And, uh, you know, luckily I'm only 41 and a half right now. I'll be 42 this year, so I'm still 41. Uh, I'm like, God, that bothers me because I don't want to be 
scoping the entire town and at 65, I either die or turn off the lights and go out. I'm like, no, that's horrible. It's my, it's my time value of money. I'm losing time and money both. I cannot do that. So luckily, then one GI backed by Webster, they came to my life. Steve Milosevsky, one of the new biz development guys, super nice guy. Him and I, we met, had multiple meetings. I also talked to other equity partners, to other, talk to other groups as well. But one GI, they, we seem to have the same mindset and they have a very good vision for the future and for the physicians. So we met and uh, you know the terms they offered me and the structure they offered me was exactly what I was looking for because like I said, I want my I want to cash on my equity. So that was the biggest thing for any GIs listening out there. Do not waste your time giving away your, your time value of money. Your time, your hard work, it has equity, it has a dollar value attached to it and that appreciates with time. Get somebody to create that equity into some stock option or some stock that appreciates with time. And then when you want to retire or walk out, you don't walk out just with your stethoscope in your pocket or your car keys in your pocket. You walk out with a stock certificate, which you can cash out. That's my biggest appeal and request to people. So that's going to be excited. That, oh my God, thank you, private equity money, because now, you know, instead of going to a bank and taking all the risk, now you got smart people backed by Wall Street who run all the numbers, they have all the analytics and financials, they really know what they're doing, and then they take the pain away of management and scaling for you, because it's all a game of numbers, right? Uh, groups, they have many, many GI practices in the portfolio, so the cost of uh, uh, contracts with the uh, IT companies or even uh, buying paper, pencils, everything is much lower than a single solo guy like me. Plus, the management structure really allows you to be a doctor where now you know you got very smart people on the back end running your operations for you. So now you become a corporation. And a single, I mean, for me, I feel like a single person corporation. But because of constantly having to worry about the staff not showing up to work or doing that, doing X, Y, Z, you cannot focus on growth and innovation in your practice. So taking away the prick, the prick, I call it the prick and prickles of practicing of medicine in this day and age is big for me. So with this PE money flowing into the world of GI, they take the pick away and soothe you with a nice lotion of experience and then funding. So now if I wanna open two practices, three practices, you get the structure down, you get the funding, now you expand your brand. So it's, so it's better for me. So I think this is the best time ever to be a GI in practice. And I'm so blessed to be GI, you got, private equity coming in, trying to partner with you, which also gives you a leverage against healthcare systems. Again, nothing against any healthcare system. So just, so don't be mad at me, but healthcare systems traditionally have tried to not do that with physicians. They, they pigeonhole the doctor, especially a guy like me, my lord, ooh, I'll, I'll choke to death with the, with the uh, stress. They try to pigeonhole the doctors, don't give them enough leverage to expand you know their practice and any discussion to even buy a new equipment open new pro you know office it's not very innovative it's very restrictive and takes long time for decision making with the pe guys their vision is growth and if you're a growth minor doctor it's a marriage made in heaven because you want to grow they want to grow you need you need the experience they have the experience you need the money they have the money and that is marriage made in heaven because now certainly your reality is expanded and you can go achieve your goals. So that's the biggest thing which I feel, which I'm so happy about that it lets you be a doctor and gives you the fuel, right? It's like rocket fuel for your career and for you as a person to really go live the dream you want to and expand and grow and not 
you know, turn the light off. Okay, Sharma's done. Turn the light off, lock the go, and drive away into darkness. No. So now you leave a legacy and you got a you got a golden parachute to get out. So that's what I'm excited about. So you can tell I'm very happy about this. What am I worried about, right? You said? My worried about is okay, you know, uh, the staff shortage, right? That's the one thing I worry about is you know, availability of good staff, which is well trained, motivated. They want to perform a good job and uh, they, they show up to work. That's the biggest thing. I've had people walk out on me and I'm like, I got 30 patients on the schedule. How am I supposed to handle that? That bothers me the most. That's my biggest fear the staff shortage, the more the motivation of the people to work. But again, that's where you have to pre-plan and pre-think your, your market and your, uh, your ecosystem as, okay, if you're seeing these trends, how do you hedge against that? In that scenario, you use remote working crews. So I think the time is now start looking into remote working crews and remote workers who are not limited by time, space, geography, and time zones. So that's what I feel is the hedge against that lack of uh, qualified healthcare workers, if you will. Got it. Yeah, I know that's a stressor for people across the U.S. in healthcare and other industries as well, thinking about getting those great qualified people, making sure they're there and, you know, aren't going to leave you hanging, obviously, is a huge challenge. But as you mentioned, there's so many exciting things ahead, whether it's looking at some of the opportunities with private equity, being able to grow and develop and not having to be pigeonholed, like you said, not having to really get into a spot where, you know, you're leaving your practice and that's it, but maximizing your value, what you have now. And then, you know, when you are ready to retire, you'll have a really solid, solid plan in place, which is something that I know many doctors are looking forward to um, these days. So that's awesome to hear. Now, I, I know you're in a little bit of an interesting spot because you're looking ahead to build a brand new practice in Florida. Um, how do you anticipate that's going to grow and change in the next 12 months? Is there anything that, um, you know, any variables that are kind of still up in the air or things that, you know, you really just um, could, could put a wrench into your plans? You know, apart from the, 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 the staff shortage, you know, that's the biggest thing. Uh, number two is, uh, you know, Medicare pay cuts, right? I mean, they always want to give us a give us a haircut, which we, we don't like, but they seem to love it. Uh, so I think that's something which may put a small wrench in my, in my plans, but I already have uh, uh, business plans set up that will diversify my revenue streams where I'll be doing research, you know, as well at my practice, I'll, I'll, be, using, I'll be doing data mining. And then, uh, then I have some other things as well planned. Uh, so apart from something major happening, maybe an outbreak of COVID again, or some other, you know, things going wrong, like those things outside my control, I don't really see anything major to stop me from going off my, you know, dreams and my goals. That's awesome to hear. I'm really excited for you and the growth of your practice. It seems like you've got a lot going on and um, I'm really looking forward to speaking with you again a year from now to see how everything's coming to fruition. Absolutely. No, I would say we should do a follow-up in maybe six months to 12 months, see if I still feel the same. Hopefully I still feel the same at that time. (laughs) (laughs) Definitely. Well, Dr. Sharma, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast today. This has been a really fantastic discussion and I look forward to connecting with you again soon. Absolutely, Laura. Always a pleasure. And you guys at Beckers always do a great job. You guys are wonderful. Thank you.